Uh, a few weeks ago, we had uh, a visitor here in church. I'll call her Sarah. And uh, that morning, Dave was preaching. I can't remember what he was preaching about, actually. Uh, but he was preaching about something or other uh, that no doubt was super and brilliant. And um, he, at the end of his talk, he said, um, I really sense that there's some people here who uh, need to be prayed for because they're feeling very anxious uh, about somebody in their family. And this woman called Sarah um, was really feeling anxious for her adult son. And uh, so during the time of worship, uh, she came forward over here, as we do, and she asked somebody to pray for her. And one of the prayer ministry team came alongside and prayed for her, for her son. And that was the end of the story. Uh, she left, she went home, and uh, I can't remember if it was the same day or the next day, she was um, speaking with her son on the phone. Her son lives in England, and uh, they were just chatting, catching up on the weekend, and as part of the conversation, it came round to the fact that she'd been at P's and, and G's, and she said, oh, I, I prayed for you um, as part of the service because the guy who was preaching said if there was somebody anxious for their, uh, somebody in their family and I knew that was me and so I went and prayed with somebody for you and there was a pause in the conversation and then the son said to his mum what time was that and she said it was about 10 past quarter past 12 about 10 past 12 probably and he said you won't believe this but he had been in not a good way that Sunday morning. And so he got up, uh, gone out of his flat, and gone for a walk uh, where he, near where he lives. And he was just walking down the street. And this guy was walking towards him. Uh, they didn't know, just a random man on the pavement. And suddenly this man got closer to him. And as he got closer, he then stopped in front of him. And he said, sorry, this is going to sound really weird, uh, but God wants you to know that he hasn't forgotten you and that he loves you. And then the guy went on and he said, it was 10 past 12. It was exactly the time that you were praying. And I was told that story by the sister of the woman who'd been with us, Sarah, who'd been with us. And it was just an incredible reminder uh, to me uh, that come forward for prayer ministry. Uh, but secondly, that the Spirit speaks today. God speaks today, often in very subtle ways, sometimes in incredible and powerful ways. But it was also a great reminder to me of what happened in that chain of events. Firstly, God spoke to Dave, and Dave was obedient to share what he felt God had put on his heart. The woman that God spoke to the woman sat in her seat somewhere where you're sat today and said, go forward and pray for your son. And she obediently went forward and prayed for her son. And then those that were gathered around her praying with her listened to God and prayed in the spirit for uh, this woman's son. And then whoever that man was. Uh, we were chatting in the office this week. Maybe he was an angel. Anyway, uh, but assuming he was a human, that man listened to God and was responsive and obedient to when God spoke to him. It was an incredible encouragement uh, to me. I hope it's an incredible encouragement to you that God speaks, the Spirit speaks today. And the whole of the Bible the story after story of God persistently chasing down people he loves, like that guy. 
and calling them back into a relationship with him and saying, I haven't forgotten you. I still love you. Come back into relationship with me. Speaking words of love and restoration into their lives. And the whole of the book of Ezekiel, if you want to read it, go for it. It's epic. Uh, The whole of the book of Ezekiel is basically God just doing that chasing down the people that he loves, the people of Israel, and speaking words of challenge and love and new life into them. For the first 25 years of Ezekiel's life, Ezekiel uh, was a trainee priest uh, in the temple in Jerusalem. And during his years as a priest, he would have been trained, he would have had to listen to the Spirit of God as he guided him into how to interpret the law, how to to guide the people of Israel. But now when we reach uh, Ezekiel and the book of Ezekiel, we discover that actually he is in exile in Babylon. He's had to escape from Jerusalem. There's been a massive massacre uh, there and the people have had to leave. He's He's far away from the temple where he exercised his duties as a priest. And yet God hasn't forgotten Ezekiel, and God hasn't forgotten his people. God still has plans for Ezekiel. And so he turns up in chapters 1 and 2 of Ezekiel in like massive multicolor. I actually preached on Ezekiel in about November on the first two um, chapters of Ezekiel. And God gives him an incredible vision and calls him to be a prophet to the people. He fills Ezekiel with his spirit and gives him the power to interpret what God is saying and to speak into the events that are happening around him at that time. And so for the first 34 chapters of Ezekiel, everything is pretty grim, to be honest. Ezekiel is sharing some hard, hard truths uh, with the people of Israel and challenges that God is giving them. And then we get to chapter 34 and 35 and 36 and 37, and everything begins to change. God begins to tell the exiles that he will bring them back from this anarchy that they're experiencing, that they will have their land back, that they will be brought back from disgrace and back into relationship with him. He's saying there is hope. And then we get to chapter 37, uh, the the part that Dai just read for us, and this crazy vision that God gives Ezekiel, where he's taken to the valley of dry bones. I wonder what that looked like. I was imagining it might look like something, uh, some of those images that so many of us have seen of the horrors of the Belsen concentration camp after it was liberated. Emaciated people standing at the fences and then 10,000 bodies, naked skeletal bodies just piled everywhere. Maybe this gives us some idea of what Ezekiel saw. But instead of the flesh-covered corpses of Belsen, In Ezekiel's vision, there are just bones everywhere, masses of dried out bleach bones, every type of bone covering this valley floor. It must have just looked like uh, the aftermath of a massacre. But for Ezekiel, the priest and the prophet, 
what he was seeing would have had much deeper significance for him uh, because to the ancient Israelite people, uh, this valley of dry bones symbolized the judgment of God. To have your body unburied after death was meant to, uh, to cause a fine, be like a final curse or fit for the worst criminals. It was the worst thing that could happen to you was to actually have your body left out in the open, unburied. And so this valley of unburied bones are not just evidence of death, but death under a curse, a symbol of divine judgment on the people of Israel. And so Ezekiel, in this vision, looks out on this valley of dry bones. And the Spirit asks Ezekiel, in chapter, three, verse, uh, chapter 37, verse 3. Son of man, can these bones live? And he replies, Sovereign Lord, you only know. He knows that God only has the power to answer his own question. God knows. Ezekiel just has to tune in to God. God has all the power and all the knowledge. And so God tells him uh, to do the ridiculous, to speak to the dry bones. And he tells them uh, that my spirit, that my breath will fill those dry bones and restore them back to life. And so Ezekiel is obedient to God and he prophesies as the spirit has told him to do. And restoration happens in verse seven. There was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. And then God speaks breath and speaks life into them. And the bodies come back to life. It's a vast army, Ezekiel writes, a vast army before him. And God tells Ezekiel in verse 11 that the, this vision is a reminder to the people of Israel that they are dried up, their hope is gone. But this vision is a reminder that God will restore them and he will renew them, that he will recreate them. He says in verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. I love that. I have done it. I have spoken and I have done it. When God speaks, everything is brought to completion. It's an incredible vision, isn't it? It sort of blows your mind. But maybe it's so incredible that we can tend to think, well, that was then. That was God speaking to Ezekiel, to the people of Israel in extreme circumstances. It all happened uh, to a particular people at a particular time. And that's true to some extent. But this incredible vision uh, that Ezekiel has is also a wake-up call to us all. The Spirit of God is alive and active. He loves you and I. He hasn't abandoned us. He is involved in the world. He is involved in your life. He knows. His spirit is speaking, and he wants to breathe new life into you today. 
I will put my spirit in you and you will live and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it. And so as we unpack a little bit more this account of Ezekiel, we're going to ask a few questions, three questions. Firstly, who does the Spirit speak to? What happens when the Spirit speaks? And how can we recognize the Spirit's voice? So firstly, who does the Spirit speak to? Uh, If you go back to chapter 2 of the book of Ezekiel, right at the beginning of the book. Uh, In chapter 2, God speaks to Ezekiel when he is in a bad place. He is miserable, honestly. He is in the pit of despair. He is dejected. And God says this to Ezekiel, son of man, stand up so that I can speak to you. It sounds like me talking uh, to my teenage son. Zachary Talbot, stand up. I want to speak to you. We've all had that spoken over us or maybe to somebody else as well. Son of man, stand up so I can speak to you. He's basically saying, pull yourself together, guy. Pull yourself together. I haven't abandoned you. I'm going to speak to you. So get a grip. Stand up. And Ezekiel does. And God has his attention. And God begins to speak. Ezekiel gives God his attention and God begins to speak. Through the Bible, God speaks and people listen. In John 10, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. Who are the sheep? We are the sheep. It doesn't say my sheep could or should listen to my voice. No, my sheep listen to my voice. That is what we are called to do, all of us. If you have become a Christian, you have already listened to and responded to the Spirit of God speaking into your life. When he said, come and follow me, come and follow me. And now you are a privileged friend of God. And so now you are filled with the Spirit of God, and you can hear the Spirit of God speak to you. But maybe we, like Ezekiel, need to hear that command. Libby, stand up. I want to speak to you. We need to give God our full attention. So who does the Spirit speak to? All of us. But maybe we need to stand up and give him our attention and let him speak to us. Secondly, what happens when the Spirit speaks? What happens when the Spirit speaks? Well, a few things. So firstly, the Spirit speaks into the present situation, into our present situation, whatever that might be. We've just been singing that song, Highlands, which speaks about uh, we might be on the highlands or we, we might be in the shadows. And we know in this room what that feels like, some of us, of what it feels like to be in the highlands and the shadows. But did you hear, God spoke to Ezekiel and the Spirit of God spoke into the eerie silence of the valley of dry bones. He didn't bring everything to life first, but he spoke into the eerie silence of the valley of dry bones. If things are going well in our lives, we might find it easy to come to worship or to pray, or to read the Bible. We, we might find it easier then to connect with God and to hear his voice. But if we're having a tough time, God can seem really far away. 
It can feel really hard to listen to him and to hear him speak into our lives. It can feel really hard to hear him speak into our hurt or into our pain or into our desolation or our fears. And we long for the time again when things are better and we'll be able to hear God speak again. We long for that time where we'll be able to connect to God properly. If Ezekiel had been waiting for that moment where everything was in order, where everything was fine again, he'd be waiting for a long, long time. He was in a bad place for a long, long time. He'd witness a huge massacre. He's a refugee in a foreign land. He's alone and he's desolate. His people have turned from God. He's existing in a place of anarchy. And yet, despite all that, the Spirit speaks into his present situation. He gets Ezekiel's attention, and Ezekiel listens. The Spirit speaks even into the eerie silence of the Valley of Dry Bones. So whatever our situation, the Spirit can speak into it. And when the Spirit speaks, he brings new life. My audio visual aid there when the spirit speaks he brings new life we saw this a couple of weeks ago didn't we where we look at we were looking at how the spirit uh, speaks into creation and brings new life out of creation and Ezekiel in his vision uh, sees the spirit literally breathe new life into these dried out old bones and bring those bodies back to life wholeness came on every level uh, bones tendons muscles sinews skin all came together god is giving the people of israel a vision for their future a time where they will be restored where they will be restored to the promised land, where he will breathe new breath, new life into them. In the New Testament, Paul uh, tells us that if we are in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. The Spirit has and will continue to breathe new life into our everyday. He restores what is tired and worn out, what is broken, and he reminds us of the Father's love for us. He refines us to be more like him. Maybe that is what you need to hear this morning. That your faith that is feeling worn out like a stack of dry bones can be brought to life again by the Spirit of God. Maybe in your heart you desperately need to hear the Spirit speak to you and come and breathe that new life into your worn out faith, into your doubts, into your fears to renew and restore you. This is the business of the Spirit of God. And maybe today you need to hear the Spirit of God come and speak those words of reassurance and new life and restoration into your life or into your faith. When the Spirit comes, he speaks new life. And when the Spirit speaks, he also directs us to Jesus This prophetic vision that the Spirit gave Ezekiel, it pointed the people of Israel to a time when his Spirit would breathe new life into those people. He's saying there will be resurrection. There will be hope. Everything that the Spirit says directs us to Jesus. 
his resurrection hope, his life, his forgiveness. I was listening to my Bible in a year the other day uh, and the sultry tones of Nicky Gumbel this time. And he was telling a story about a guy called Will Wisby. Uh, great name, isn't it? Will Wisby. And he was a successful young estate agent uh, and he was fiercely skeptical of Christianity. And one day, uh, a friend invited him along to church. And during the service, somebody had uh, a word of knowledge. They heard the Spirit speak to them for somebody else in the congregation. And so they went forward to see Nicky Gumbel and said, is it all right if I share this? And Nicky took them up onto the stage. And this is what they said. There's a man here who is expecting a soft top sports car to be delivered in the next two days. He's worked all his life uh, really hard to achieve this success. Work has been his life. He's got the car, the house, the lifestyle, and he's not happy. And God wants him to know that there's something more important for him to focus on. And subsequently, Will Wisby wrote this. I couldn't believe it. I was sat there. My new car was the nicest thing I'd bought, and it was arriving in literally two days, and I had told nobody. I was earning 100 grand a year. My work was my life. And that night, for the first time, I really prayed. The Spirit of God spoke to Will Wisby in an incredible way and spoke directly into his life and situation and directed him to Jesus. And his life after that moment was completely changed. Jesus says in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He speaks only what he hears. The spirit only speaks the words of God. And so these words will help us to get to know Jesus more, to learn from him, to love him, to live for him. So third big question, how do we recognize the Spirit's voice? How do we recognize it when the Spirit speaks? Well, firstly, when the Spirit speaks, it's always in line with Scripture. If the reason the Spirit speaks is to reveal more of the truth of God, to direct us to Jesus, he's never going to contradict what we have in the living word of God. The father wants to give good things to his children, but he's not going to say, if you buy a lottery ticket on Saturday, you're going to win 100 million pounds. It's just not how God speaks. It's not in line with scripture. And in order for us to work out what Scripture says, and if whether what we're hearing the Spirit speaks is in line with Scripture, we need to know Scripture. We need to dis- be able to know Scripture so we can discern the Spirit's voice. God's Word is like a treasure trove. It's given to us as a gift. We need to explore it. We need to get to know it. We need to discover the truth of God through Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
The Bible is the ultimate source of wisdom and word of God. I'm just going to ask Miranda to pop up, and I'm going to give her a microphone number two. If you don't know, this is Miranda. She's on the staff team here. Uh, Georgia, her daughter, told me to tell you that she is the most awesome human being ever created, or something along those lines as well. Uh, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> I just, we were chatting the other day about how uh, God speaks to us through his word. So can you just tell us, Miranda, uh, about the, the sort of word that God gave you at the beginning of the year? Okay, yes. So um, I annoy my family very much at New Year and in the summer holidays by forcing everybody to look back and say what the three top things of the year were, had been and what their three key hopes for the year coming up. Everyone gets quite annoyed by that. So as we were doing that um, at New Year, I decided that um, I was going to have a word for the year in 2019. And the word that I had and the one that wouldn't go away was strong. So um, undaunted, I got my daughter, Georgia, who's quite keen on sport, to devise me a gym program. And I set about this with great enthusiasm, deciding that I needed to be strong. And uh, on I went. That was so it. So really. you thought it was about being physically strong. Physical, physical, physical strength. strength. Absolutely. Very important. Okay. Of a certain so age. that sort of went yeah. on. You had this word strong. You yeah, were work out going on, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And then a few months later, uh, can you tell us what happened a few months after that? Um, so... Um, at the beginning of February, um, I, with my lovely friend, Mary, um, went to the Beald for a day. I don't know if any of you have been there. It's a beautiful place um, north of Edinburgh. You can have a quiet day there, lots of space to reflect. So we went for the day as a bit of a kind of prayer and study day. Um, Mary's a great encourager of me in terms of making sure that I do pray and study. Um, and we spent a lovely day and I decided, I never quite know what to do in these days, the Bible seems a very big book sometimes to dip into so I thought, oh, well what I'll do is I'll just have a little bit of a think about this word strong and what that might mean so um, looking at various verses and then this one verse completely turned the idea on its head for me in quite a quite a profound way. So um, I came across the verse in Nehemiah, which is the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and instead of it this year being all about me being extremely strong physically, I think it's all about me delighting in the Lord and knowing that he delights in me. And that's actually the strong bit. And, and uh, yeah, that was, that was really significant, actually. So I wrote it in huge letters on a whole page of my jotter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Miranda. So I just asked Miranda to share that because there was a couple of things that struck me. Uh, so first of all, she thought her word meant one thing, but God had other ideas. But actually, she needed to take that time out. Sometimes we need to give God the time to actually uh, listen to him. She, she went away. She spent time praying. She opened scripture and said, you know, God speak to me through your word. And then God surprised her and turned what she thought on her head. And sometimes we need to give God the space to speak to us through scripture and to surprise us. Sometimes he wants to turn what we are expecting into the unexpected. The next thing we can do is to pray 
And again, that's what Miranda did. We need to pray so that we recognize the voice of God. Ezekiel knew and heard the voice of God because he had a living relationship with God. He spent time with him. So when the Spirit of God was speaking to him, he was ready to listen to God and he recognized the voice of God. We need to re- learn to recognize the voice of God. It, it's not like, uh, you know, a sort of dramatic Darth Vader voice where, you know, God says to us, Libby Talbot, this isn't on. Libby Talbot, this is God speaking. You know, he doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't speak to us in this way. When God spoke to Elijah, it says that when he was in the entrance of the cave, he didn't speak in the earthquake or the fire or the storm. He spoke in a small whisper. We need to learn to recognize the whisper of God. What does this look like? It looks like a different thing for, for, for many of us. I'll tell you what it looked like for me uh, a couple of weeks ago. On the Monday night of LC19, the HTB Leadership Conference, we were in here and we were worshipping. And I felt God uh, speak to me. Uh, I'll describe what that feels like for me. So first of all, I always start to feel a bit weird and uneasy. And I felt that God was saying this. It wasn't like anything dramatic. It was just follow me. And I knew that it was the voice of God because, first of all, it was in line with Scripture. But also, at the same time, I just kept having this picture in my head of God with me holding his hand, and we were going through a door together. And God was saying, follow me. Now, I've got rubbish faith, I think. And so I was like going, "Uh, God, you need to confirm this to me. If it's you, you need to tell me again. And uh, we started singing the next song. And funnily enough, the phrase, follow me, kept coming up in this song. And I thought, okay, maybe you're trying to say something to me. Uh, And it wasn't like I wasn't following God, just to clarify, it wasn't. And and then, uh, and I was going, right, okay, so because I've got, you're trying to say something to me, I just need you to confirm it. So if you can just keep it in my head. And honestly, the one thing over about the last week, every time I've prayed, I keep getting this picture in my head of God holding my hand, walking through a door, and this phrase, follow me, coming through, follow me, coming through. I think God is trying to say something to me. So sometimes we need to go back to God and say, if this is you, if this is you, just confirm it to me. Let me know it is your voice. And as we pray, we need to submit to the Spirit and say to him, speak to me. Let me learn from you and listen, and let me listen to you. And the last thing I want to say is that ultimately, we have a choice. We have a choice whether to ignore the Spirit or to listen to his guidance. I think sometimes we forget that, but we always have a choice. So often we have a choice about all sorts of stuff. Yesterday, I knew I should go for a run, and I chose to watch three episodes of Grey's Anatomy instead. (laughs) We have a choice to ignore the Spirit or to listen, to resist the spirit, or listen. Ezekiel was seeking God. He was actively listening to God, and he had this incredible spirit-filled vision. If we say, God, speak to me, what do you want to say to me, and then listen, don't be surprised if he actually speaks to you. Just before Stephen, the apostle, was about to be stoned, he challenged the religious leaders with these, ver- these words. You always resist 
the Holy Spirit. You always resist the Holy Spirit. We can look like we're following God, but maybe we're resisting the Spirit. We put up those barriers in our hearts and our minds. We try and keep God in a little box somewhere. We allow him in a bit, but we resist the Holy Spirit. Maybe for some of us, we need to let down those barriers in our heart and in our lives, or even when we come into this building and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So, the Spirit speaks today. He will speak to all of us who are followers of Jesus. It's part of the package, and he will guide you more into the truth of Jesus. He wants to speak his life into the dry bones of our lives and our faith. And so we need to make this choice to pray, to listen, to read scripture, to be expectant, to put down those barriers, because the Spirit wants to speak.